please sit comfortably. So good evening everyone, everyone on Zoom. Um, a friend today gave me uh, a copy of a book by uh, Norman Fisher that I've been searching for, which is called um, something along the lines of the world could be a, a different place, something along those lines. And it has one of the one of the chapters is about the precepts, which I was interested in reading. And um, I I think it would be uh, good background material for the precept groups. I'm just trying to work out whether I've got a PDF of it, but I'm just going to work out how ethical it is to send the PDF on to everyone, whether it sort of shorts gets around copyright and so on. I'll try and sort that out and and, and send that off. Um, and uh, I think it's a, a very good um, chapter and, and summary of, of the precepts. Um, however, and it's in line with the way I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it myself, but one of the things that I find missing from these Zen books on ethics is that they're, they're a bit short on detail and they're a bit short on the psychological nuances that are involved you know, in the way that we actually live our lives and don't do harm and, you know, generate generosity and compassion and so on. And it occurred to me, having a conversation with someone today, that the kind of person who would be likely to be interested in the precepts and practice them and understand them more would be a person who tends to be responsible rather than the person who's under-responsible or not responsible. Okay. Like a, a person who doesn't have much sense of responsibility, why would they be interested in the precepts? Mm -hmm. um, although, having said that, um, when we engage in the precepts, we're probably deepening our sense of responsibility in the world. However, there is a trap, and this is what I want to address. In psychology, um, we look at human behaviour along a spectrum of being um, over-responsible and under-responsible and appropriately responsible. And there's a trap that p people could get into in um, you know, people who, with a strong sense of responsibility. There's a trap that you could potentially get into in practising the precepts in that it makes you more and more responsible to the point you become over-responsible. You know? And um, the neuroscience of it is with the right and the left hemisphere of the brain is that it's definitely very clear the right hemisphere is more the focus of um, uh, ethical behaviour, um, being connected into the body, being connected into feelings, having a strong sense, these are my feelings, these are my thoughts, these are my body, this is my body, this is where this, this um, harmful action is generated from, right? And so there's a sense of ownership and acknowledgement of it. And if you have that, um, rather than the left hemisphere tends to blame outside if things are going badly. Um, but if you've got too much of that right hemisphere kind of connectedness, and pe particularly people who are prone to anxiety and to depression um, have a risk. What goes along with those conditions is a risk is a is a uh, a, 
an attitude or a way of being in the world which is over-responsible. When something goes wrong, it's my fault. You know? And it's not, it's a distorted sense of reality. So it's very important um, in practising the precepts um, that we're, 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 we are moving towards an appropriately responsible position in the way that we relate to others. But it's very important not to fall into that trap of over-responsibility. And there was a, a book I read years and years ago in um, my training as a family therapist and working with people with um, alcohol problems called, and the, the name of the book was The Responsibility Trap. And what it was outlining is anyone who's worked in drug and alcohol addiction would know, um, is or have been in a family like that, it's very common in families where there's an alcoholic that the alcoholism actually leads to the alcoholic person becoming less and less responsible, like less functioning, less responsible. And as they do that, other people in the family take up the responsibility and they end up becoming over-responsible. So you get this real skewed imbalance happens in the family. And the over-responsible people with all the best intentions end up enabling that under-responsible behaviour. So if you go to, if you're a, a partner of someone who's an alcoholic and you go to Al-Anon, which is the group for the partners, the basic message they give you is you're not responsible for that person's alcoholism and you need to be clear about that and not try and rescue them and so on and make it, make it their responsibility so they see the, the consequences of their own actions and they take that up. So being more and more responsible is not necessarily um, a wise thing to do. And we're all familiar with that well-known saying, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's true, you know, but there's another element of it as well, is that we need, we need to not only look at intentions, you know, that we don't want to do harm and we want to do something good. And this is where wisdom comes into it. It's not just a matter of good intentions, but being a bit aware of what the consequences of actions are. Are those consequences wise or are they not wise? Right? So enabling in alcoholic relationships is not wise. Right? It doesn't help anyone. And um, so when we approach the precepts, we need to be approaching them from a place of compassion, you know, of, of empathy. Um, but it's not just enough to have compassion, it's that they need wisdom as well. And wisdom in the... Wisdom has many meanings in Buddhism. It's just the wisdom of the way things are, you know, the, the, the way a, a bird lays an egg, you know, or how a kookaburra laughs, that's wisdom, right? It's just the way life is. And in its more relative or worldly sense, it's often about having forethought of consequences, right? And not just acting on good intention or impulse, but re really seeing the long-range consequence of doing things. And there's a very good story which illustrates this, which I've mentioned before, but I'll mention again. And I believe it comes from Korean Zen, and it's a story about a monastery that was out in a rural area, and um, and it had grassy um, fields, you know, behind the fences. 
And the monks one day um, let the deer come in, the wild deer to come in and graze on, on the, the grass that was there. And, uh, and thought they were doing the right thing, you know, allowing the, the cows to, to eat food. That seemed like an empathic, compassionate thing to do. And the, the abbot of the temple um, found out that it was happening and came down and shooed the cow, the, 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 the deer away, you know, shooed them all out. And, and the, the monks were aghast, you know, it's like, you're the abbot of the temple, you know, you're a Buddhist and, you know, you're not acting very compassionately by shooing these, these deer out. And then the abbot explained his actions to them. He said, if you let the deer in, um, they'll think that um, all human beings are safe to be around. Uh, and 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 then um, when they find other human beings who want to kill them, they won't. It'll dull their their senses that this is unsafe, and so they'll be more easy prey for hunters. Right. So he had the long-term vision. If you want, if you want to be really compassionate towards these deer, don't don't do this. Mm-hmm. Let them. They, there's plenty of food out there. They can find it, and they won't develop this false safety, that human beings are okay like you. That's wisdom. It has, it has that forethought component in it. So in its worldly sense, um, you know, there is good intention, but there's also this, this very clear foresight of what the consequence, long-term consequence of an action is. And we need to bring that into the way that we um, apply the precepts. There's a, there can be a tendency in public life these days to... Um, like in politics and so on, that decisions are made just on compassion. Um, but it's only half of it. And compassion often involves saying yes to something, like the cows coming in and the, the deer coming in and eating the, the grass. Um, and wisdom, not always, but wisdom often requires saying no to something. And symbolically, in Zen and in Buddhism, the the compassion is the heart and the wisdom is a sword. Right? The sword cuts through, it's a sword of discernment. It's often cutting off, saying no to something. So they're the twin kind of um, forms of uh, intelligence, if I could say, that's required to guide our way through ethical behaviour in life. Um, compassion and, and wisdom, not just one or the other. <laughs>